0: So in amazing in the presence of God and the goodness of God and the joy to celebrate together the greatness of our Father. I want us to turn tonight to Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 through 38. And that we're going to read together Matthew 9:35 through 38 for the next few moments. Then Jesus went to all the towns and villages teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every sickness. When he saw the crowds, he felt compassion for them because they were weary and worn out like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, "'The harvest is abundant.'" but the workers are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. God, we just thank you. What amazing days we've had together and are having in your presence. Our hearts just simply rejoice at what has transpired and is transpiring in these amazing times in your presence. And God, we can only anticipate what will come forth in the days ahead out of this incredible work and church to many places of the world, beginning right here in our own city, our own communities, and stretching right out across the globe. How amazing. How grateful we are and how thankful we are. Open our hearts to your word in these moments, God, and work deeply, work deeply on the inside of us, we pray. We need a word from heaven, God. We just need your word to our eyes of understanding to be enlightened to it, transforming us and bringing us into that which you designed and desired for our lives, for us, individually, corporately, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, give him one more hand clap. (laughs) Jehovah! Now, for us back home in Nairobi, these passages are very much a part of our DNA. In fact, wherever a mission's heart is found, these truths will be found. The harvest is abundant, but the workers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest that he would send out workers into his harvest. Now, by way of introduction, in order to glean further insights from these scriptures, it's important to note that they come at a very strategic point in the book of Matthew. In Matthew chapters 5 through 7, Jesus lays out the principles of his kingdom in the Sermon on the Mount. And then in chapters 8 and 9, Jesus displays his power over sickness and over death and over the works of Satan and nature. And this is just... What Jesus did, a few things that he did in chapters 8 and 9. He cleanses a leper, he heals a centurion's son, he heals Peter's mother in law, he calms the sea. We're in chapters 8 and 9. He casts demons out of a man and sends those demons into swine, a herd of swine. He heals a paralytic, he heals a woman. With an issue of blood, he raises the dead. He gives sight to the blind. He gives speech to a man who was mute. Two chapters of Matthew. That's the background of the general statement in verse 35 when it says, Jesus went about all the cities and the villages, curing all kinds of disease and every weakness and every infirmity. Everywhere he went, Jesus poured himself out to help hurting people, and the crowds, they just flocked to him, king of kings, lord of lords. Now, and very importantly, throughout this entire time, as lepers being cleansed and centurion's son is being healed, Peter's mother-in-law seas being calmed, demons cast out. In all of this time, the disciples are watching. They are onlookers. They are spectators. That was all about to change at the beginning of chapter 10 of Matthew where Jesus calls his disciples and then sends them out. However, something happened at the very end of chapter 9 that was to be a defining moment for the disciples. The very end of chapter 9, verse 37 says, Then he said to his disciples, Then he said, just before he sends them out in chapter 10, he said to his disciples, the harvest is of. So the harvest is great. The harvest is abundant, but the workers are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest that he would send out workers into his harvest. Then Jesus said the harvest is abundant. That word said, that word And what springs forth from that word was to be the defining moment for the disciples throughout the rest of Christ's three and a half years of ministry on earth. The word said means to say or to speak into one's heart so as to lay hold of the heart. Now, Get this, to say or speak into one's heart so as to lay hold of the heart. Then Jesus said to his disciples, the harvest is great. The harvest is plenteous. That word said means to say or speak into the heart so as to lay hold of as to another definition as to connect with and take hold of the heart. It's not the mere utterance of words or proclamation. By his impartation, Jesus took hold of their hearts. This is just before he sends them out in Matthew 10. He took hold of their hearts. This is to become a defining moment in their Life in their walk with Jesus. It's to speak into the heart very intentionally to take the heart, to lay hold of the heart, to capture the heart. And by his impartation, Jesus, just before sending them out, took hold of their hearts and they took hold of his burden. They took hold of his broken heart for the weary. They, his followers, took hold of his broken and burdened heart for the worn out, for the sheep without a shepherd. And the same thing has to happen to you and me. I want in this final moments with us this evening, and thank you so much, Pastor Jack, Pastor Carol, for giving me the honor and the privilege of pouring into your great congregation. I'm so blessed. I wish Amy could have been with me. I want to. Finish our time together by ministering to you tonight on captured, captured by the cause of a king. Captured by the cause of a king. You see, Christ's calls, the king's calls, he made it very clear. It's harvest. He came to seek and to save the lost, to become the captain of their salvation by bringing many sons to glory. This is his cause. And just before Jesus sends them out, the disciples capture his cause. In fact, from this point on, the hearts of the disciples were captured. They went everywhere, Luke tells us, in Luke 10, that they went everywhere preaching and ministering and healing. It all started by first their hearts being captured. I'm praying by the Spirit of God that God by His power will capture our hearts that we will not be sent away from this place. We will not leave this place until our hearts are captured that all men everywhere might come to the saving knowledge of Christ, that that becomes our priority, that becomes our passion, that once this conference is over, we're just not going to go back to our normality. Life is usual, just ordinary every day, that God would just, by his power, have our hearts so captured that we find ourselves in the night hours crying out, that God would send laborers and send workers into the harvest, that God would use us and continue to use us through our faith promise giving to be a light in the darkness, to make it possible for men and women everywhere to go and let this light shine and harvest be gleaned throughout the earth. Captured by the calls of a king, How does that happen? How does that happen? Verse 36. When Jesus saw the crowds, how can I have my heart captured by his cause? That I live by the cause of a king. That becomes my priority. That becomes my, not just moments of of experience, but it becomes a lifestyle of encounter. That I encounter his cause and, that by the Holy Spirit I'm finding myself as a willing vessel, that God's given me creative ideas on how to make it possible to see even greater things transpire through my giving and through my involvement, through my sending, through my going. It all starts with seeing, number one. When he saw the crowds, number one, to be captured by the cause of a king, see the crowds. You've got to see the crowds. It all starts with seeing. Jesus saw the multitudes. He saw the crowds. Now, that's hard to do because I don't know about you, but for many people, crowds make us nervous. Crowds make us tired. Crowds can make us irritable. Crowds can really make us uneasy. It's hard to wait in line at the bank. It's hard to wait in line at the grocery store. It's even harder to drive on crowded streets in rush hour. Especially in our city. You guys have it good over here. Your traffic moves most of the time. We can spend hours, I have prepared messages on my iPad, in my car for Sunday. True, Alan? Three hours, four hours not moving. You talking about irritable. When the crowds come, it's easy to say, leave me alone, I've seen enough people. Now, Jesus had been busy for days. Our text said, that he had been preaching in every village, every village and town. Nonstop itinerant ministry wears you out. Nonstop itinerant ministry wears you down physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually. It's easy to tune people out because you're worn out. To see the crowds of the world requires something inside. Matthew chapter 9, where we've just been, Says some people brought to him Jesus a paralyzed man on a mat. Seeing their faith, seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, "Be encouraged, my child. Your sins are forgiven." See, it's 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 just seeing something inside. To see a crowd requires something inside. To see as Jesus saw, it means we must redefine our, our we must redefine our view of humanity. All of us gravitate to people like us to see Jesus or to see as Jesus saw. It means we have to redefine our view of humanity, seeing their faith, seeing past all of the crowds and all of the hustle and the bustle, and he saw their faith. All of us gravitate to people like us, whether it be at school or events, even church. By nature, we tend to hang around people who look like us. We tend to hang around people who talk like us, who act like us, who think like us. Our kids marry their kids. We raise our kids to fit into the social order. And that's not wrong, but if we are ever going to see crowds like Jesus did, we must open our eyes and break the mold. That's what I love about you, Imaginations Church. Every year and every mission Sunday, and you, you just you, you open your eyes to a hurting world. Thank you. I've said it to you so many times over the years. Thank you for leading the way. How privileged and how honored I am to be able to come and stand and minister to you who lead the way for so many of the rest of us, right throughout the world. Don't ever stop seeing the broken, seeing the hurting, hearing the cries of the feeble and the faint. We've got to open our eyes. If we're going to continue to see the crowds like Jesus saw them, we have to break the mold. How Have you ever had this happen to you? You're in a crowd and you're feeling alone. You're in a crowd and you're overwhelmed when suddenly you spot a friend that you know and you focus in and you block everybody else out, right? We train ourselves to do it. You see, the world is full of people who are not like us. Joel chapter 3, verse 14 says, Multitudes, multitudes are in the valley of decision. It's so easy to stand up on the mountain and look down into the valley. They're not like us. But there's multitudes in the valley of decision. And God help us. God keep our eyes, keep our hearts sensitive, and keep our hearts open and our eyes open to the hurting and the crying, the sighing, dying humanity around us. Ironically, we can live our whole lives carrying the mandate of the Great Commission and never see those who are not like us. Think about it. We can live our whole lives carrying the mandate of the Great Commission, and never see those who are not like us. The first step to be captured by the cause of a king is to see them, is to see them, that the eyes, Paul prayed for the church at Ephesus, that the eyes of our understanding, God, help me to understand what they're facing, help me to understand what they're grasping, Help me to understand. The eyes of my understanding might be enlightened, that I might know the hope of my call, the exceeding riches and abundance that's found in Christ Jesus, our King. So the first step to be captured by the calls of our King is to see them, to see the hurting, the broken, the poor, and the neglected. What about the one who appears so successful, appears to have it all together? Well, you know what? You know them and as well as I do. They are some of the most needy. Those around you who appear so successful and so have it all together, their marriages are struggling. Their kids are failing and struggling and having all kinds of, you know as well as I do, those are some of the most needy people, and they're all around us. Secondly, to be captured by his cause, As the disciples were, he said and he imparted into their hearts. He took hold of their hearts. Up to this point, they're just spectators. They're onlookers. But he's about to send them out. Just before he sends them out, he says to them the harvest. He imparts to them his cause. And they take hold of it and they lay hold of it. And they go out and they heal and they minister and they take care of the hurting. Secondly, to be captured is to feel his compassion, to feel his compassion. It says that he looked upon the crowds and he felt, everybody say felt, he felt compassion. This word means a yearning of the bowels. a yearning of the bowels. Today when we talk about feeling something, you know, we say, oh, it's it's so profound. We say, I feel you. I feel you. It's really profound, isn't it? This is not what we're talking about right here. Jesus didn't stand before the crowd. I feel you. It's a yearning. You ever felt it right here? You walk the streets of India. You go into the slums of Nairobi. You go into the homes of our city. 1.8 million teenagers in my city. Drugs and all kinds of challenges among our youth of our city. You feel it right here. That's the compassion. Compassion. Someone said, compassion is your cry in my heart. A yearning of the bowels. Today when we talk about feeling, we, we talk about, I, I, I feel you, yeah, I feel you. But in the first century, they meant something so much deeper. Sometimes we talk about feeling something in the pit of our stomach. It means to be emotionally moved by what we see around us to the point that we've got to do something about it. And that's what's brought us together this week. We're so moved we've got to do something about it. One of the great tragedies in this technologically advanced age is that we have brilliantly managed to shield ourselves from feeling. It truly, it truly is a great tragedy that in our technologically advanced age, we have managed to shield ourselves from feeling, we swipe. Whenever there's anything that's going to kind of speak to us, just maybe take a moment to really get inside of us, we swipe. Let's go. Today we have the swiping generation. Spending one, po- I think it's 1.6 seconds is what's spent on before the next swipe. Third and finally, to be captured. My first closing. Finally, to be captured by the cause of our King. To be captured by the cause of Jesus. What is his cause? That all men everywhere might come to the saving knowledge of Christ. To be captured by that cause, that harvest cause, I must know their true condition. He looked out upon them, and he saw them as sheep without shepherd. I must know their true condition. Jesus uses two particular words to describe the people of the world. First, he said, they are harassed. They are harassed. It's a graphic word. This, the meaning of harass, as it appears in this scripture, is a very graphic word. It means to skin or to flay and strip the flesh. The people were like sheep that had been skinned alive. The people were like sheep that had been ripped and skinned alive. They were harassed. He was moved with compassion upon them because they were sheep without a shepherd. They were harassed, flayed, victimized by those who use them and toss them aside. And secondly, they are helpless. That word helpless means literally to be cast down from a mortal wound, to be cast down due to a mortal wound. How many wounded people we heard of the Democratic Republic of Congo. It's Pastor Jack following up Dr. Sothines this morning. The rape capital of the earth, wounded, broken, left for dead. Please understand what Jesus is saying. The bottom line is that people didn't know where to go for help. He, he stressed upon his disciples that people are helpless, people are hopeless without God. And he came to be their shepherd. He imparted into them, he said to them, he He took hold of their heart by telling them that they're harassed, they're helpless, they're hopeless. Then he sent them. He first required them to download his calls, and then he sent them out. He wanted them to know that he came to be their shepherd, the one who could show them how to avoid life's pitfalls. That's his heart. So the steps to capture his cause, seeing, feeling, knowing. Seeing, feeling, knowing. These are the steps to capture the cause of our King. Listen to this. Until you see, you will not feel. Until you feel you will not know. Until you know, you will not care. Until you care, you will not pray. Until you pray, you will not give, you will simply donate. And until you give, you will neither send nor go. Listen to me, Nairobi Lighthouse Church. Listen to me, Imaginations Church. Until you go, until you give, you will neither go nor sin. The world is full of people who are wounded, bruised, cast down, bleeding, slowly dying. And as long as you close your eyes, you'll never see what Jesus saw. So we must pray, Lord, open my eyes, that I may see the world through your eyes. I must pray, God, help me to feel their pain. Help me to feel their suffering. Help me to feel their isolation. Help me to feel their loneliness. God, give me the ability to know what they're going through, the real-life issues that are driving them to do what they're doing. And thank you, Imaginations Church, for making the difference. What a difference you're making. God bless you.